everyone welcome back to 50 shades of blue on today's episode a friend of the show comes back casey sato he's been on pod one or two times before he's been always been a great addition i've always loved my conversations with casey he's got some cool stories he's got some interesting insights into specific things like sports and his own experiences with that Today, he actually wanted to address kind of the idea behind a golf addiction, which, you know, he gets asked that a lot because he golfs a lot. He's really good at it. Uh, Why he likes to golf so much and kind of how that, you know, fits into the context of perhaps relationships, maybe a marriage, things like that. Kind of he offers a little bit of thoughts and things like that in that regard. Um, He has a really funny story about his mom getting kicked out of a baseball game when he was 12 his baseball game when he was 12 and uh he also was a d1 athlete so he just has you know a lot of experience in the sporting realm so anyway his insights are definitely valuable real quick wanted to give a shout out to some friends and some listeners on the podcast uh i had dinner tonight with it's wednesday night Uh, this will be dropping thursday morning obviously Kirk, my man, and his wife, McKenna. I had a blast with you guys, uh, catching up with you. Kirk, somebody I knew from my days in Provo. Great guy, accountant, solid. McKenna, really enjoyed talking with as well. Y'all are fantastic, and I look forward to many more times talking with you guys. So just reach out to friends, you know. Mother's Day's coming up. Reach out to your mom, tell her you love her, things like that. You never know um, how many more opportunities you'll get for that. Not to be all weird and existential, but, you know, it's just always better to think on that side of things anyway. So hope you all are having a great week. Hope you're having a looking forward to a good weekend and that you're going to have a great Mother's Day. Shout out to all the moms out there. I plan on releasing an episode with my mom here anytime now, and it's not necessarily going to be oriented towards Mother's Day, but it will be fun, I believe, and it will be interesting. So... Hope you're all doing well, and I'll see y'all next week. Faster I can feel it beat. Oh, 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 can you feel it too? I start to dream, I start to dream about the road. All right, joining us today on the podcast is a friend of the show, a uh, former Division One athlete in baseball, and just an overall talented man of many talents, I should say former U of U sports academic counselor as well. So very well versed in that sense. Yeah. Has great stories. Somebody that I love to bring on on a regular basis. Casey Sato, how you doing? Oh man. Uh, great. Doing great. I think we're, I'm in the right mental uh, state of mind uh, for this podcast, seeing that we're talking about golf and I just got back from uh, a mega golf uh, pod or trip. So um, I'm ready to jump into it. 
Yeah, I saw that. Let's not bore our listeners just yet. Okay. <laughs> just, yeah, let's not do that. Just, just kidding. We're gonna get it. We're we're not. This is, nothing's gonna be boring about this, dude. They're all gonna. You're, you're gonna bring the stories, man. I know it. Plus, we're just we here actually, to educate. That's that's, that's right. the real. That's that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to help people understand. Yeah, yeah, in the most condescending way possible. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yep. <laughs> um. Real quick though, you did uh, you did get back from that trip. Where where was that again? It was up in Bandon, Oregon. Bandon, which I've never heard of, but I saw some of your pictures. It looked amazing. Is it like one of the yeah. better golf courses? So there's five of them that are all ranked in the top twenty public golf courses in the country. Um, so it's kind of a little bit of a a golf uh, paradise. Hey. It's a haven. Yeah, no question, man. In fact, we, I was talking to one of uh, our, our close friends, uh, I think a friend of the pod, uh, Sean, and she was telling me that her dad is uh, just like adores the place. And, and I was just saying like, man, we should probably get married because he sounds like my dream father-in-law. <laughs> Wait, so yeah, why don't we make that happen? Yeah, maybe we should. Right, seriously. I mean, m- there- Marriage is basically a business decision these days anyway. I mean, you're as jaded as it gets. I think Sean is as well. So sounds sounds like a match made in heaven if you ask me. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. I mean, we we ought to make this happen. Right? Sean's Sean's actually working on some new clip art for the new um like podcast name that I'm going to do, kind of like the rebranding that I've got going on. I have not released the name yet even though I know what it is because I want it to be a nice surprise for everybody. I think it'll be good. Sean's amazing. She's awesome. She is awesome. But I'm going to take her dad out on the first date rather than her. Um, that's because smart. That's really, that's really where the crux of the relationship's going to land. Absolutely. And you may as well just ask him on that first date if you can have his daughter's hand in marriage. Just get that out of the way. I hear that's really good to just get over with soon. Yeah, I think so too. I think I think you, you bring up a good point. I might as well just start that off on the very first tee just be like hey mr gleason can i can i take your uh, daughter's hand in marriage yeah exactly i don't see how that could possibly go wrong Uh, speaking of i think it'd go a wild success speaking of is like that's still a thing right like like generally men ask the father for their Uh, daughter's hand in marriage I think so. My my sister got married last uh, last May, and uh, so you're and the guy. The, yeah, the the guy, um, my my now brother in law, I believe, asked my my father for uh, my my sister's hand in marriage. So I I think it's still a thing, unless you're it's super progressive. It's kind of a funny tradition, right? Yeah. Um, I, it, it, it definitely dates back into the oldest oldest days when you're like marrying into like the rich family, right? Yeah, it's kind of like a way of saying like, hey, I might not be as rich as you guys, but I'm willing to try and be rich as rich as you guys. Exactly. Will you let me try? Yeah. <laughs> and the future father-in-law says, all right, good luck. Yeah. My, bro- luck my brother kind of has a funny story about that because he, he had called – he called his – um his his now father-in-law's her father-in-law right and it was he was obviously dating his his wife at the time he calls his father-in-law and 
he's fully planning on just like asking him over the phone, thinking like, yeah, that's would be a good idea. And as he's getting to that point, his father-in-law <laughs> stops him and he's like, wait, you weren't planning on asking me for permission to marry, you know, I don't want to say the names right now. <laughs> right. But marry her um, over the phone, were you? And my brother was like, no. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully he's like, oh, it good. right. <laughs> yeah, who knows, man. And he's like, how about I fly you out and we can, we can talk about it all and hash it out. My brother's like, yeah, perfect. Exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. What a story. Yeah, serious. Well, it worked out. They've got a, a solid amount of kids. They're great kids. So really funny. But yeah. All right. Let's get to this, man. I, the thing is, you actually brought up a good point that I wanted to get to that I thought was probably would be interesting to men and women alike. And that's you know, maybe helping women understand the golf addiction that men have and, and some women, let's be real. It's not limited to men, Yeah, but it is primarily a men's sport. There's no secret about that, but why it exists. And I'll, I'll give a little bit background on my own understanding here. Here's the thing. I think I told you this. I'm not even sure if I broke the news to you. I think I might have quit golf forever. Does this, have you I told did you tell this? Me this? Yeah. You yeah. Did tell me it. Because I I got into golf, I mean, at this point, it would have been maybe eight years ago, around 25, 26. And I just, you know, I was in the middle of my master's program, and a couple of my buddies were like, hey, like, let's, let's actually go golfing. Because I would go to the driving range here and there, and it was fine. It wasn't anything that ever, like, spoke to me. So we go do a round of nine. And those guys like were golfers, like they did it a lot. They enjoyed doing it. I mean, I don't know if they were like totally stellar or anything, but I think they were certainly solid enough to, to be formidable. And they told me, they're like, you know what? You got something natural here. Like you, you kind of, you have a nice swing. Like it, it just, you have a pretty good feel for the game apparently. And this was really just like the beginning stages of me golfing. I didn't know anything about it. And okay. so I started to kind of like it at that point. And I'm like thinking, yeah, maybe I should do it. So I dove in, I bought a used pair of clubs and they're not great, but they got the job done. Like they were solid and I got a good deal on them. And I started going a little bit more often here and there. And I started to see myself get better. And here's the thing. I actually did feel like I picked golf up faster. I, do, I reached a certain threshold of beginner ship or whatever you want to call it faster right. than, than I was expecting. And I really liked it at first and thought that I was like, you know what? I'm at least at a place where I can feel comfortable if I felt the need to network with golf right. and like meet, meet new clients or whatever else and bond over that. And then, which is a lot of the reason that like people pick it up is to, to for do sure. it for networking reason. Like they do it for business. Yeah. Which funny enough, um, a, a, a brother-in-law of mine who does very well in that regard from a business sense, doesn't golf at all. Like very well, but he's, he just yeah. tells people, they're like, do you golf? And he's like, nope. And they're like, okay, well, we can meet another time about this. So like, it's worked out for him. Now, granted, it certainly can get your foot in the door in a lot of situations. So it's not like I'd say, don't do it. I mean, if you can, if you want to absolutely have at it. But so that is kind of what I was thinking too, where I'm like, great, one more way to network. But then as time went by, I stagnated. I mean, I never took lessons. I never took it that seriously. And here's a big thing is that I never got to a point 
where I felt like I wanted to get better than what I had reached. And that to me is a big deal in sports. And I finally had that realization within the last year or so where I was like, I don't care yeah. to do better at this game. Like I, I, I don't think about it. And here's like for a lot of sports I pick up and even stuff like pickleball, that's not even really a sport. Like we talked about it, right. It's more just like a game or whatever, which I happen to love. Yeah. Uh, I even think love, about that. Yeah. As you're aware, like I think about that a lot. Like I'll, I'll sit there and just be like, dang, I just like love kind of like the way to do different funky spins and different hits and things like that. But golf never struck me that way. I mean, sometimes if I'd watch like the masters or another tournament, another um, major, then I'd think, yeah, okay, maybe kind of be fun to entertain a swing and see how I could hit or whatever. And I've hit those good shots that keep you coming back. But then I finally was like, you know what? I kind of, I'm done. I'm done trying. It doesn't speak to my soul. Like a lot of other sports or games do or whatever. And I'm, I, I officially threw in the golf towel. Yeah. I, I Listen, I, as somebody that's addicted to golf, and I am 100% addicted to golf, <laughs> I actually welcome that you've quit golf. Because there got to a point last year with COVID where there was too many people on the golf course. So uh, I 100% endorse your decision. Uh, because the less people out there, the more enjoyable it is for me. So I, I'm in on your decision. Hey, I appreciate that, man. The fact that I have your stamp of approval means a lot. It really does. Yeah. And well, you know, I'm, the, we're, we're here to support each other. That's right, man. We have each other's backs. Uh, you, the, the, the fact that you're able to admit you're addicted, from what I understand, that's the first step in recovery. So you admit you have a problem? The, hey. Here's the thing is I don't really have any desire to recover, though. <laughs> that's all right, man. You can stop short whenever you want. I, uh, you, I intend you can to stay on step one forever. There yeah, you well, you do I, I, love it. You find a great release through it. And here's the thing: you're not. It call it addiction or whatever. It seems to me, from how my experience with you, it seems to be a pretty healthy one in 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 the in the uh, in the grand arena of addictions. Right? I think that's a pretty solid one to have. Sure, uh, others might disagree with it, but uh, but I, I consider a healthy addiction. <laughs> so, what's your plan like? You know, I mean, I imagine you still kind of have I, you. You've been very vocal about this, even on the podcast, about how when I when I ask about your dating life and you say it's non-existent, okay, we're there. But the long-term plan is to eventually find somebody and get married. I'm assuming is that fair? Uh, yeah, that's the hope. Uh, whether or not it's realistic or not, I think there's <laughs> a hope in there. <laughs> hey, if that's if that's a commentary on if whether or not your marriage material, uh, let me just say right now, I know your marriage material, man. I know. Okay, you I, I I appreciate that, but uh, I guess yeah, there is a long term uh, play here to uh, hopefully date and uh, find somebody that's willing to put up with my uh, my bullcrap. So there you go. Uh, that's what it's all about, right? Just finding that person that can put you up with you. Yeah, that's that's really where we're at. Is just somebody that's willing to put up with all my shenanigans. I love it. So, yep. what's do you have like a plan to have a disclaimer about what your golf habits are and what you plan on them being while you're married and presumably a father? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> what's gonna What's your approach gonna uh, I, be like? Well, I don't know. That, and that's that's actually maybe a, a great conversation that that I should workshop with another, uh, you know, sensible uh, human of of what that conversation should be like. But here's the thing: 
is uh, when it gets to be summertime, I, I want to play at least two to three times a week. I, I can deal with, you know, two times a week. I'd prefer three to four. Um, but in the summer, I, I want to be playing as much golf as I absolutely can. Uh, so where that lands, my, my ultimate goal is to uh, make enough money to uh, join a country club where I can sneak out and find uh, a quick, you know, two to three hours and get 18 holes in. But if that doesn't work out, then I'm going to have to find certainly somebody that is empathetic uh, to my uh, addiction to golf. Is the best case scenario for you finding somebody that also golfs or would you actually prefer that they not? I've actually, so I've gone back and forth on this and um, I think I'm at the point now where I would prefer uh, whoever I'm dating to uh, ultimately do their own thing and let golf kind of be my own, my own time. Um, so, I golf. I've I've golfed enough with I'm gonna my mom will probably listen to this and so I'll apologize in advance, but I've <laughs> golfed enough with my uh, mom and I've golfed a few times with my sister, uh, I've golfed a few times with other other women and it's not that I don't enjoy it, uh, it's just not as enjoyable than with like my core group of friends that I golf with, if that's fair enough. So kind of want and, I kind of want it to be like my time, and you're pretty sure that your like future wife would be relegated to kind of how it's been with what when in your past experiences golfing with women. Um, more than likely, I've only played with like two or three women. It uh, sounds like family members specifically. Yeah, I've I've played with a couple uh, of women that that are really great golfers and i've actually enjoyed it so i guess it depends on their skill level and how they approach the game uh so i i mean the biggest thing for me is i don't want to coach somebody when i'm on a golf course and i don't want to be like one of the things that my that i've like had to like tell my mom about is like if i get the ball airborne and, and hit it you know, a hundred and, you know, or I, I hit a drive really far, but it's super offline. She'll be like, Oh, that was a great drive. And I'm like, mom, that wasn't even close to where I wanted to hit it. That was a terrible drive. Like don't cheerlead like a terrible shot. Like that's not what I'm here for. <laughs> Shout out to Sue Sato, by the way. Thanks. for Sue listening. is great. Uh, she's a great follow on Twitter. If any of you want to follow her, she's a great mom. She's What's her handle? Give her a shout out, man. Yeah. Uh, I believe it's Sue Uh, quite quite the twitter handle but she is active on twitter and uh she'll give you a like well thank thank you for listening subadu always appreciated um anyway okay so yeah so as far as far as like uh my own personal preference I, i i would love somebody that like enjoys golf or enjoys some other hobby on their own and we can go and separate and do our different hobbies and their time is their time and my time is my time and we can come together at the end of those hobbies and enjoy each other's company. I think that's my ideal situation, but that that's obviously working in But it's not a deal breaker, it sounds like, right? It's not it's not it's certainly not a deal breaker, but I think that's how I would probably prefer it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, so let's get into it then a little bit. Um what is it about the golf addiction 
that you think women need to understand? So I think there's a couple of things that of the reasons why I personally love golf and why I think men love, love golf in general. Number one, I think, uh, guys love to compete with themselves, but they also love to compete and bet with their friends. And so when you're out on a golf course, typically there is some type of competition with your friends and there's always a competition with yourself. It's like this elusive goal or this elusive, uh, you know, thing that you're chasing that you're always trying to beat. And, uh, it happens, you know, for some people every, you know, every five to 10 rounds and other people it happens every like hundred rounds. But when you play really good golf, there's the mental challenge and the mental capacity that it takes to uh, complete like all of those shots together is really an addictive feeling. Um, it, it, it's like something that keeps me mentally uh, challenged and uh, you're trying to like control your mind and control uh, all of these different variables. You're trying to think through different things and, and it ultimately just becomes a really strong mental test over, over three to four hours of, 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 of a really complicated game that, that ends up being super fun. And then as you side in, you know, as you filter in with your friends where you're betting um, and you're giving each other strokes and you're giving each other putts. It, it becomes this really kind of mental game between you and your opponent uh, that, that just becomes like a super fun three to four hours where you're being competitive with your friend, but you're also being competitive with yourself. And typically everyone keeps like a really positive attitude and it, it ultimately just turns out to be, you know, four hours of, of really enjoyable time where you're, getting to have good conversation with your friends, you're, you're being competitive and you're kind of working through these mental gymnastics. I think you're hitting on a really important point. That's just a good general rule for everybody. And that's the whole idea of it being a competition against yourself. That's what I used to tell people when I was living out in Texas, I was really getting into weightlifting. Um, yeah. I mean, there's not much to do out there. It was basically that and basketball. And obviously going out there for what I did, which was a PhD. So um, there's not a lot of social life to be had out there. I had some friends that would hit the bars on a regular occasion. Well, that ran, that kind of ran its course for me after a while. And I thought, you know what? Going to the gym and just hitting the weights on a Friday and Saturday night sound pretty awesome to me. So it got to that point. And it, that's really what it was, is that I, it was this mental game that you play with yourself. It was, it wasn't just this physical stress you were putting on your body. It was also this mental thing. Like I'm getting better. I'm getting stronger. I'm making strides. And I see that vividly. Yep. And that makes a lot of sense with golf. And I just think in the overall kind of just approach to life, I think it's important to always have those things where we're always pushing ourselves. And I think it needs to be in a lot of different aspects. I don't think it needs to just be from a physical standpoint because golf really isn't particularly physical sport obviously nope. but it's certainly a mental one but i think we need kind of those things physical mental even spiritual um emotional you know just things that are always kind of having us push ourselves and striving to keep improving for whatever values we have placed upon 
those emotions or whatever it may be, right? Those not not the emotions, but obviously those those outlets, I guess. Totally. What have, what have you found in golf specifically that has kind of helped you help it be a release for you from from a mental standpoint, so to speak? Yeah, there's. So, so I've gotten to the point where I would say I'm one of the better golfers. Um, well, you're you're almost like, a scratch golfer, aren't you? Or are you technically already? Yeah. So, so I am a scratch golfer, which essentially means that you yeah, know, for 15, the uninitiated, like, please explain. For for the uninitiated, like it, it basically means that most of the time I'm shooting par, uh, par or better, um, which is you know, really basically every hole has an assigned amount of shots that you're supposed to hit, hit it in the hole. And over the course of 18 holes, you, you hit it uh, in the hole on the, those assigned values. Right. If it's a par five, you're trying to hit it in as little shots as possible. Right. So, yeah. you know, in a par five, you would typically almost never see three, but you see four all the time. I mean, okay, not never. Yeah. Eagles happen plenty, but, um, yep. And that would be an eagle, and a birdie would be four, and then par would be five, just for those that aren't fully aware. And then an albatross yeah. is two, right? Isn't an albatross three yeah. under? Yeah, albatross, al- albatross is two. So, so going back to your question, I think what I found is that uh, the enjoyment that I get is b- being very competitive with myself and challenging myself to – stay within like a certain game plan and a certain mindset that's going to ultimately help me achieve the success that I want to get to. Um, So you go in with a plan of how you're going to attack each hole and how you're going to hit every type of shot. And, and then how are you going to uh, adjust or, you know, uh, alter your, alter that plan when things go haywire and and that's the the other part that I love about it is no day is the same day, uh, and so you're going to get a different type of wind. You're going to get a different type of swing. Like your body is going to feel different. And so how do you adjust to just the things that you feel and the and the things that you sense? How are you going to make those adjustments? And and it's just kind of this mental gymnastics where you're you're trying to calculate all these different variables of of what's going on to ultimately, you know, keep to the plan that you want to. And, and I think that's ultimately the thing that I love the most about it is uh, once I get out there, I really am not focused about anything else in the world. I'm not worried about my job. I'm not worried about relationships. I'm not worried about, uh, you know, really anything. I'm just solely focused on how can I be as good as I can be uh, at this sport uh, today and and by being able to like really focus in and, and being laser focused on what I'm trying to do ends up being very therapeutic because it gives me four hours to really decompress and get off my phone and get off you know kind of release myself from all the different worries and stresses that I have in the world that makes a lot of sense man um so how'd it go in Bandon by the way how'd you golf uh, I actually played some of the best golf of my entire life, which is uh, really fun. I, I 
on one of the main courses there where they held the U.S. Amateur, which is a really prestigious uh, event. I shot uh, two under uh, from uh, from the farthest tees back that you can play. So uh, I played really well and coupled that with some of the most stunning views and peaceful scenery that you can possibly get uh, anywhere in the world. It was It was an incredible trip. Good for you, man. Congrats. It's awesome. It was awesome. I think that's the other part too that, oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Sorry. I want to hear this. I was just going to say, I think that's the other part about golf that uh, a lot of people enjoy is just kind of how beautiful golf courses are. Uh, It's a really easy way to get out and experience nature. Uh, I've played um, in San Diego. I've played up in Washington. I've played in Oregon. I've played in New York. And and really, you get some really beautiful views where uh, you're just on these unique properties and seeing these unique uh, artistic uh, golf courses and getting to experience a, a lot of like really beautiful parts of nature. I totally agree with that. In fact, you can go to like those really pretty podunk, like not very well taken care of golf courses, and you still feel a sense of beauty like it's really weird. Like, oh, yeah. no joke i mean this is coming from somebody that's not well versed in this arena granted i've seen the masters and i love the scenery of the masters it's one of my favorite things about watching the masters but like i i think one of the last times i golfed was riverbend just in south jordan yeah and it's not like an area you'd go to that's like wow this is beautiful but you can see like they really do a good job just kind of trying to take care of things and it is somewhat of an oasis still it's it's really still a pretty area, you know, all things considered. Yeah, absolutely. Like so, and, and the views that you get, and, and and like, how many times do you really spend four hours outside, and are just looking around at the scenery? Like, I just don't think we do it very much today. Like, if we're going. And you're not much of a hiker, right? I'm not much of a hiker. Uh, I've gotten a little bit more into it, but if you're not hiking, um, where else do you spend outside? You know. Yeah. No, and and that's I, I it's obviously you're getting kind of your nature fill through golf, which makes a lot of sense to me. Totally. Um, so, do you have aspirations to be like potentially a pro am at some point? I've never asked you this before. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm not even close to being that good. Which, Wait, so you have to be the... like better than a scratch golfer? Oh yeah, yeah. Which is that? That's part of the fun, right? Is there's always somebody better than you unless you're Tiger Woods. Uh, yeah, and fair. so you're always just chasing people that are better than you. And and it's fun to see. I, I feel like you can probably relate to this and anybody that's, that's played pickleball. But uh, when you play against somebody that's really talented at pickleball that can spin the ball and can like do all these like really crafty shots and they have like such great touch, it makes you a better player. Uh, oh, yeah, and, th- and that's very sure. similar with golf, right? Is even though you're not playing against that person, you're playing with them and you can kind of see how they do different things. And, and just by watching them, you're like, Oh, that's super cool. I want to try that sometime. Um, and so that, that, that makes you a better golfer. So no, I'm not even close to being, uh, anywhere near like a top amateur I've tried and, uh, the last time, so I, I qualified for the Utah State Amateur, which basically to qualify, you've got to like be one of the, in the qualifying rounds, you've got to be one of the top like 266 in the state to play. 
How many people and go up, go for it? I think uh, I think there's generally like a uh, hundred people at each qualifier. So there's probably like nine nine hundred to a thousand people that attempt to qualify. Okay. Um, and that's obviously all the best players in the state. But the last time I played in the state am, I got my butt kicked. And in fact, it was probably one of the most humbling experiences. I got my butt kicked by um, a sixteen year old girl. Her name's Grace Summerhays, and she's incredible. And we played from the same exact tees and she smoked me. Um, that's amazing. So, th- so that's kind of the cool thing, right? Is there's always somebody better out there. And as much as I would love to be at that level, I'm not even close. Gotcha. So by the way, that Grace Summerhays, she's related to Daniel Summerhays, right? Yeah, she is Daniel Summerhays' niece. Niece. And, and Daniel Summerhays her- is, he golfed at BYU and he's like, He's he's making some waves. I mean, he's not like really killing it yet, but he's made it to the Masters a few times, hasn't he? Yeah, he has made it to the PGA. I think he's made it to the Masters. Uh, in fact, yeah, he has made it to the Masters. He actually retired. Um, oh, he did last Why? year. Yeah, he. Uh, I think he just kind of got burnt out, and um, he was on the borderline of having kind of getting relegated to the minor leagues of the PGA Tour. Mm. Um. But anyways, he's like, uh, he's now the, he's like the, uh, head golf coach at Davis high school. So he and I are yeah. just cut from the same cloth. It sounds like just retiring right around the same time. Yeah. Just, just retiring right at the same time. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He, but, he but yeah, he played at BYU. He, yeah. He played at BYU. He played on the PGA tour for, uh, I think 10, like 10 ish years and he's super talented. And then his brother uh who is grace's father his name is boyd and he is uh tony finau's uh golf coach and uh and so there's finau's killing it and finau is one of the top 10 golfers in the world right now yeah he is absolutely killing it from samoa right or tonga where which one which island yeah tonga but he's from west high school so he's right here in salt that's true he's kind of he's a local local guy um Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so now let me let me kind of throw you a curveball, so to speak. No pun intended, Let's even though it kind of is. Um, how does that compare to something like baseball? Because I mean, I had mentioned you were a D one athlete, and then like you were a D one athlete. I know you kind of shirk at that, but it was technically true. And you are a self described like bench warmer. Like that was just you, who you were. You're just kind of this utility guy that played whenever you could, but never really had like a role that was yours, I guess. I mean, these are basically your words. Um, yeah. I was a great bench player in college. You're a great bench player. I, I, I have I no doubt stellar. you were a great bench player. But you were a D1 athlete. I mean, just to make it to that level is impressive regardless. And I, I know you're shirking at that, but it is what it is. You made it to that level. That means you put in a lot of work to get to that level. And um, it paid off. And it was it's cool that you got to experience that. Now, how does the – what you kind of the sentiments you have about golf and – what you mentioned about that release and that competition against yourself. And even when you're competing against others, like it's still like very internal. How does that mm-hmm. compare to something like baseball? Cause that obviously was your sport for to this point, still most of your life. Now golf is yeah, going sure. to eclipse that eventually and even not that far away from doing so. But what, what, what would you say are like some of the similarities or differences with that? 
Uh, well, first of all, like with baseball, you're you're not necessarily competing with yourself as much. You're competing against somebody else, right? So, uh, you're you're competing against uh, if in my position, you're you know trying to hit a ball. So you're you're competing against uh, another you know, the pitcher, but, uh, I think in terms of one of the things that relates very similar to baseball and golf is you're going to fail a lot. And, you know, I think that's probably the other thing that, uh, is a really good lesson to learn with, with any sport. And actually what I would encourage anybody that's listening to this, that has kids is encourage your kids to fail at sports. It's the best thing for them. Absolutely, um, because failure is ultimately what creates like drive. I, I just uh, I, I had a lot of success, but early on there was a lot of failure, and uh, failure is ultimately what what drives me because losing sucks and failing sucks, and you want to you you just don't want to experience it, right? So the the more more you can do to prepare yourself to not fail is is ultimately like the best feeling of when you overcome those things. So that's kind of what I would say the, the biggest similarities are and where I probably get the most satisfaction is putting in the work to not fail because in golf and baseball, you fail all the time. So that, that sounds like pretty general towards all sports to some degree, right? Yeah, I would say that to all sports, but baseball and golf particular, right? Like you're never going to hit the perfect shot. And in baseball, you're going to strike out five out of your 10 well that, i mean and, a good batting average is you know barely like above 30 percent yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> so you're you're gonna you're gonna miss a lot for sure that makes a lot of sense but would you say that baseball and golf are unique in that aspect um yes because it's individual failure right maybe i guess basketball has a little bit of similarities there but i think football is such a team game you're you're reliant upon everyone else and in some degree there's there's a little bit of that with basketball is unless like if your team isn't running the right play getting an open clear look is is going to be really difficult so uh in baseball it's kind of like you can kind of it's it's the most individual team sport there is if that makes sense absolutely yeah no, I, yeah, so so I guess I just think uh, baseball and ba- baseball and golf are super similar in in the terms of you're going to fail a lot and you're you're typically competing against yourself and trying to like s- stay within your your mental process. Uh, so I, I think those are the the two things that are most similar about the sports, and then obviously like the hand eye coordination and a lot of the movements are very similar. So um, certainly. There's no better feeling in sports, in my opinion, than hitting a home run. And the closest thing I've found to replicating that is to hitting a really great drive. Uh, so it, it's a little bit of uh, reminiscing that feeling when, when I hit a perfect drive right, right down the middle of the fairway and I hit it super far. I get that for sure. So let me ask you this. You mentioned kind of like your suggestion if you ra- you know you're raising kids that you put them into basically any any sports scenario would be helpful because they need to get used to failing. Um, I couldn't agree more. But my question to you is this: It's very hypothetical. So you have a kid, boy or girl, yep. 
And what if they're apathetic towards losing or failing, so to speak? Then what do you do? Like, what if they're just kind of like, I don't care? Because <laughs> you know that's got to exist. Yeah. Uh, honestly, like, let them be apathetic t- towards it. Because <laughs> that actually might work out in their benefit as long as they want to try to find a way to like, compete. Ultimately, the best competitors are always the ones that end up being the best athletes, in my opinion. So, but no but there are a lot. Of, but there are a lot of people that are apathetic that they're able to just like let bad things roll off their back, and because they're they just are okay with failure, they're able to move past it, and it doesn't like linger with them, and then they're able to just move on as if nothing happened, and that's a really successful trait in a lot of athletes as well so really I, I i wouldn't put a lot of stress if their natural tendency is just like hmm, whatever no big deal because then they're in the right mental framework to be successful in the next you know in their next game or their next at bat or next whatever they're playing huh interesting yeah i i just because I wonder if apathy, like towards that, is translates just towards a general apathy of the sport. I don't know, but um, I, I'm curious now if you know of anybody that you could point to that's like a famous athlete that probably had more of that mindset of just like essentially being okay with losing. Um, that's a good question. I I think that like in terms of golf, a lot of people refer to a guy named Dustin Johnson as he just kind of like oh whatever i didn't hit that one like that one didn't work out for me like that's okay i'll just move on to the next one that mm-hmm. that's probably a good example of of that uh but but i think in some sense uh kevin durant is a little bit that way right now where he just knows he's so good at basketball that he more plays for the love of basketball rather than necessarily uh like winning i think kevin durant just wants to be known as the best basketball player i don't think he really cares about how many rings he wins if that makes sense that could be that could be that's that's fair i remember a clip one time that i saw when it was some type of like mini doc special they were doing on kobe bryant this is actually before he before his death but um when he hit a game-winning shot against the heat and this was in his prime which kobe's prime lasted mm-hmm. forever um yep but this would have been like i whatever Dwayne wade was running the heat at the time and this was pre lebron on the heat i know that so it would have been somewhere between essentially 2004 to 2009 i believe yep. um can't remember when probably on the later side of that because i think Dwayne wade was pretty well established at that point and i remember kobe hits a game winner in their game against the heat and there was a clip afterwards of Dwayne Wade talking with Kobe, and he was just like, oh, man, as soon as you put that shot up, I knew it was going in. And oh, it yeah. was just like, it wasn't apathy, but it was definitely like not something you saw from a superstar a whole lot, where it was just like, ah, whatever. <laughs> was, yeah. I remember that. I, I mean, I mean that's, I think that's, that's always stuck with me. Yeah. That, I, I think there's a lot of like, there's a lot of moments with that in sports now where guys just recognize how good other people are. And so they know that when the other person is put into like another position, it's like, we're done. (laughs) We've got no chance. Right. It's very similar to 
you know, you put the ball in Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady's hands at the end of the game, you're like, all right, well, probably going to lose this one now. Yeah, for real. Man, that's funny. Casey, thanks for coming in on the midnight hour, by the way, dude. Like you, I, I had a couple of potentials lined up, my mom included in that, but, uh, it didn't pan out. She got really busy this week. And a lot of that's my fault because I could have pre-recorded something with her earlier. But uh, anyway, you came in and you came up with this topic and I could not be more appreciative of a man because I actually really enjoyed this conversation. Um, do you have anything else you want to share? No. Any shout outs or whatever? Uh, no, only shout out is to Sean's dad. He, he sounds like uh, my dream father-in-law. So we should just try to make that happen. Well, there's, there's no doubt he listens to the pod, so I'm sure he's going to hear this. So yeah, I'm sure he's really going to be – yeah, he's definitely going to appreciate that shout-out. Yeah, no question. Um, you and I couldn't be more different as well. I think this is of note uh, in terms of the teams we cheer for, which is something we almost bond over in a sense. It is. It is absolutely something we bond over. Um, BYU, you're Utah. I like yep. the Jazz. You're... You don't really care about the Jazz? Nope. You like the, I like Yankees. the Yankees? I like the Red Sox. <laughs> I don't think I've ever met, certainly never been as close of friends with anybody that I've been so diametrically opposed from when it comes to sports teams I cheer for. It's fascinating. <laughs> it's great. But we still find a way to commiserate, which I think is one of I've... the most Im- important things you can have as a sports fan is just like, you know what? You don't need to make their loss upset you you just need to be upset at the players for playing like garbage. That's what it is. That's absolutely correct. I'm, I'm yeah. here for that one. My man, Casey, thank you so much for stepping in. That was, that was a great convo. Appreciate it. Shout yeah. out to Susada one more time. Yeah. Sue's the greatest. Everyone just go give her a follow. Tell her hi. She's, she's certainly the sweetest uh, lady in the world. And, uh, maybe the best sports mom ever to exist. So shout out to Sue. Love it. I don't doubt it for a second. I mean, let's be real. Like you, you made it to the D one level in baseball. I mean, your parents had to play a role in that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Certainly they did. My, my parents uh, were super supportive and they were awesome sports parents. So. Was uh, she ever a team mom? Yeah. Uh, No, but. Uh, Sue did get thrown out of a baseball game uh, when I was like 12. So she she may she, she wasn't quite the team mom, but she sure sure supported us like one. How do you not lead in with that story? Wait, what's the story? <laughs> oh man, we were uh, we were I was like 12 or 13 years old. We were playing out in uh, Riverton. And this umpire was awful. He was legitimately awful. And obviously this is a blurred, uh, you know, storytelling here. But I remember that my dad was um, the assistant coach. And my friend's dad was the head coach. And they were just yelling at this umpire the whole time. And both, both parents, both coaches were just yelling at the umpire. He was, he was really, really bad. And got to the point where he made this like really ridiculous call and everyone on both sides just kind of blew up and the umpire like banished my dad and the other coach to the dugout. So they like couldn't leave the dugout. It was super funny. 
And then my mom was like the ringleader of like four other moms that were in the stands and they were sitting, <laughs> they were like sitting like right next to like, you know, right behind home plate. And I think the four of them were giving it to, at least three of them were just giving it to this umpire, like how bad he was. And, and the umpire just turned around and was like, you four, you're out of here. <laughs> and so, so my mom, yeah, my mom got thrown out of the game when I was 12 years old and I don't think uh, we've we've ever uh, let that one down from her. That is amazing, man. I love yeah. that. I mean, if that that just that seals the deal right there. That's a that's a true supportive mother right there. No question. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, what a what a way to lead into Mother's Day. Then probably uh, retelling my mom's worst memory uh, <laughs> as a mother. But uh, so there's well, you're my a great son. Yeah, no question about that. You are a fantastic son. All right, with that, Casey, we'll go ahead and sign off. Thank you, sir. Much appreciated, as always. Hey, thanks for having me on. There's an hourglass sitting on my table I'm watching As everything's changing my mind Going to a different time Old love, I remember falling so mad must have been magic in the valley and a rhythm in the night cause I could almost see it did you fade right out of you if it takes time if it takes time to get to you I'll get to you Takes time, I, I, if it takes time.